and good morning and welcome to Back Chat with me, Jim Gould, and your co-host, uh, Anna Fenton. And on this morning's uh, Back Chat, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Hong Kong students' uh, schools having a, an early summer holiday, although uh, international schools are, are not uh, included in that. Um, before we do that, uh, I'm just going to mention that uh, we have a number of emails left over from the, uh, the earlier discussion about COVID-19 on COVID update. What I will do is uh, I'll leave those until about uh, 25 past nine this morning and I'll, I'll read those out uh, towards the end of the programme. Uh, although there was one requesting that uh, we repeat the number for the WhatsApp service, which is being run by the Practicing Pharmacists Association. And... Um, and that number is uh, 69031813. Uh, that is uh, a WhatsApp service, so uh, uh, please uh, take advantage of that if you need to. Um, we're joined now on the line by uh, Dion Chen, the chairman of the Hong Kong Di Direct Subsidy uh, Scheme Schools Council. He's also principal of, of Yinghua College. Um, in fact, I don't think, uh, I don't think uh, we have Dion Chen just yet. I've just heard from our uh, producer next door. Uh, we do have um, Belinda Greer, who is the Chief Executive Officer of the English Schools Foundation. Um, um, Belinda Greer, good morning. Good morning, Jim. Thanks very much uh, for joining us uh, on the programme. Um, yes, we heard you uh, yesterday as well on our Hong Kong Today programme uh, uh, talking about these arrangements uh, for uh, the, the current year. Um, exams coming up later in the year, of course. So uh, from the point of view of the, of the English Schools Foundation, uh, are you satisfied with what you've been able to work out uh, with the Education Bureau? Well, you know, I, I would say, Jim, that these really are very, very challenging times for um, everyone, um, especially for our parents who, you know, as you can imagine, are really concerned about any disruption to, to their children's learning. Um, what we all want, of course, is getting kids back into school. Um, but over the, the next few months, that we're going to be facing really difficult times. And I really welcome the, the clarity and guidance from EDB giving us the flexibility to continue with online learning during what is now classed the special summer holiday arrangements. Um, so I, I think we're making best of a really difficult situation. I think most importantly, we're ensuring that um, our children continue to learn. Belinda, Belinda, in some cases I've heard that large numbers of teachers bailed the, the first day that the announcement was made. And if you remember, there was a week's time lag between you um, campaigning to get the rule changed for international schools and it actually being changed. So have you actually got enough teachers left across the network? Because I yeah. believe a lot of them just left Hong Kong very quickly that Wednesday. Oh, right. Now, we don't have any, from ES, an ESF perspective, we don't have any teachers who have left. And um, they're all still here in Hong Kong. And you know, what I would say, Anna, is that we worked really closely with EDB to look at what was trying to be achieved um, by the, the announcement about the summer holiday. And, um, you know, what my understanding is that it's all about reducing people flow. And we're already working from home. So all of our teachers are working from home and all of the students are learning from home, apart from very, very small numbers of, of senior students who have to finish some practical work or oral assessments. Um, and therefore, we're able to um, guarantee that we will um, not have 
teachers and students going into school and that we're able to provide um, the school sites for the compulsory universal testing. So we're able to comply with that. And because we already have our um, working from home arrangements very well established, um, we're able to continue with that online learning. So are you saying and really that none of your teachers have quit? None have quit? Have left Hong Kong yet. Yeah. No, I have had or planning, planning to go have, very well, soon. I have had teachers who have resigned. And I, I, you know, I would say, Anna, that this is really difficult times for everyone. Well, we know that, but how many teachers, you know, this is a, a real life issue that teachers are bailing out. How many do you expect to leave? Okay, well, we've had, I would say, um, another four or five resignations um, since the announcement. Is that all? That's all so far. Okay, now the, you're going to have your schools taken over for testing. How yes. does this work logistically? What about all your kit and stuff that would be in the school? Where are you going to put it? How are you going to secure your premises? Well, the, 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 the government are um, conducting site visits on schools to look for what would be um, adequate spacing. And we will do everything to support that. I mean, you know, let, let's be fair, Anna, we are facing challenging times. These are well, all I, th I think we all know that, don't we? Yeah, well, so therefore I think everybody has to do play their part, play their role. And what we're seeing in ESF is that the most important thing for us is to continue children's learning. And we can do that online. And therefore we will make our sites available. If they're required, they can be used for the compulsory universal testing. And we will work to ensure that... that it's done safely and that we look after our, our own school site and the resources, all that will be put in place. Uh, like you say, uh, we've been here before, the ESF has been here before, we've had periods of uh, learning from home. Um, the, the ESF uh, has the, uh, the IB and GCSEs, uh, uh, which uh, are a fixed uh, timetable of exams. Um, so uh, how confident are you this time that you'll be able to you know, um, maximise the learning experience uh, of the ESF students uh, through, like you say, this uh, another difficult period? Well, you, well you're absolutely um, right. The lead-up, the preparation for the exams this is a really critical time. The exams will be starting um, early May and therefore, you know, the, the students themselves are still completing some of the coursework. So these next um, six to eight weeks are critical learning time for us. Um, we've got very well established online learning um, protocols in place for students and having the flexibility to continue to bring small groups of students in to finish practical work, that's very helpful. Um, as well as that, we are liaising very closely with the exam boards, keeping a check on what the, the situation in Hong Kong is. We very much hope that the students will be back in school and will be able to sit their exams, but we'll obviously have contingencies in place um, in case things don't work out like that. Yes, there's talk, well, there's hope that schools will be re able to reopen as soon as possible, uh, obviously, but, uh, but after the testing scheme, uh, uh, after the Easter holidays, perhaps in April, if the uh, pandemic uh, becomes under control. So what sort of preparations would you be making for the uh, physical reopening of the schools? Yeah, well, we will be well ready to open our schools. We've already got experience um, of working face-to-face, -face, moving quickly, to online and then coming back and having a blended approach. So the one thing I would say about teachers over the last two years 
have developed um, real versatility and agility of being able to do whatever is necessary to keep learning going. So how are you supporting those teachers? Because their mental health must be under a great deal of pressure. Uh, absolutely. Unfortunately, we have um, lots of support for our, our teachers through counselling support. We have wellbeing programmes. We have um, catch-ups. I know that the, the schools themselves are organising different sessions, online sessions, um, meeting um, teachers from across ESF. Some of the schools have um, pulled year group teachers together to talk about the work they're doing. You know, I would say, Anna, this isn't easy and nobody's saying it's easy, but I, I think we do have to really acknowledge the, the hard work of everyone, and including the parents. Um, everybody's having to work together to make the best of what is a very difficult situation. How does this affect how you charge the fees? Because I know that this chopping and changing with the different months and the different holidays and online and not online, is there any change to your fee structure or how you charge? Well, our fees, um, actually we will be discussing the, the fees for next academic year um, at the board, which is um, always around about Easter time. So that is something that we will be having to discuss with the ESF board. I mean, last year we have um, put in place um, a financial assistance scheme to support parents who need financial support. Um, and I think it's really important just to um, point out that, that whilst um, the, the, the students themselves are not in school in person, we are continuing with learning a great effort has been made to ensure that, that children are having regular contact with their teachers and assessments and they're making progress. It's not what we want. We want children in school. I know that's what parents want, that's what the students want, um, but we have to work with the, the situation as it is here in Hong Kong. Um, as you say, some students uh, need to do um, um, oral exams, uh, um, practical projects and, and that sort of thing. Is that timetable going to interfere uh, with the uh, testing timetable coming up later this month? Uh, how do those things match? No, well, we, we're working closely to um, identify the best schools that, that could be used in ESF. So we're looking at what still has to be completed in secondary schools. So we still have students required requiring to go in to complete some practical work you know we would hope that we could continue to use those schools for that purpose um you know esf has 22 schools and um I, there's no suggestion they're going to use all 22 schools so i, I think we'll be able to work to support the, the program but for us what's absolutely critical is ensuring that the students get to come in and, and finish the practical work and, and take the oral assessments Hmm. Um, yeah, it's been explained that um, one of the reasons why the uh, ESF was uh, uh, treated, uh, sorry, well, international schools were treated differently from uh, local schools is uh, the, the teacher contracts, which tend to uh, run until the summer, until until June yeah. or July. Um, uh, um, is it too early to say, or or, or do you know wh whether what what the situation will be, the staffing situation for the next uh, academic year beginning in? August um, because you know we're reading these reports about a lot of people especially a lot of expatriates uh, are leaving Hong Kong uh, uh, temporarily or or permanently even um, 
do you think uh, going forward uh, there may be a, a staffing problem for the ESF and indeed uh, other international schools? Well, given the fact that we've um, had two challenging years, we started our recruitment for, for the next academic year. We started very early this year, so we have managed to um, fill um, a number of the vacancies that we were expecting to come up. Um, we continue to work hard to um, attract you know, top talent teachers into ESF, and we'll continue to do that. Um, it's, I'm not, we're not complacent. We're not saying it's easy. We're not saying it's not an issue. It's something that we're working hard to, to monitor. Our, our teachers in ESF um, inform us um, of their intention to resign before Christmas. So that's, that gave us a good indication as to you know, how many of our teachers were planning to leave. Um, and, and to be honest, it was higher than it was the year before and the year before that. Um, and we have had, um, as I explained to Anna, a few other teachers come forward since the announcement um, to say that they, they now wish to resign. So you know, we, we are working hard to replace um, teachers who are, are choosing to resign, um, but I'm confident we will have staffing in place for the start of the new academic year in August. Uh, I mean, generally speaking, uh, Hong Kong, if you forget about the, uh, the virus situation, I mean, Hong Kong compared with uh, other international centres, uh, how attractive is it to, uh, to teachers? I mean, a lot of teachers like to move around, don't they? They work in the Middle East, uh, they work in the Far East, uh, Japan, Hong Kong. What's, uh, what's the sort of um, attraction of Hong Kong to come and work here? Yeah, well, Hong Kong's clearly a, a, a challenging place to live just now with um, the restrictions to, to travel. I know that, that teachers are concerned about that. Teachers are also concerned that um, they haven't been able to visit home, home countries or their families, um, and therefore they're, they're becoming fatigued with the, the situation as it is. Um, I mean, I'm still confident that we will attract people into Hong Kong and ESF is working hard to ensure that we continue to attract people who see um, the, the opportunity to develop their professional thinking and practice. We have some excellent and um, continuous professional development opportunities for, for teachers, some really great opportunities for professional growth. And I have to say, you know, for, for me, the most attractive thing about working in Hong Kong um, is, is the students that we have the privilege to work with. They're the most amazing group of young people and um, every teacher who joins us, um, any new teacher who comes into ESF, that's something they always reflect back. You know, it's just such a privilege to work with the, the so, children of Hong so Kong. So how many of those amazing kids are going to leave? Because it's more than anecdotal. Even where I live, whole families are leaving wholesale. Yeah. So yeah. how many kids do you expect to leave realistically this at the end of the summer and not come back? Yeah, well, I mean, Anna, that is a concern that I have, that, that families, like some of the teachers, are becoming fatigued and just saying, you know, I, I want to leave Hong Kong. Um, we have had more withdrawals than we have had in the, the previous few years. Um, ESF is in, in a really good position in that we um, still attract um, families who are here in Hong Kong, so our, our enrolment is still strong, but that masks the, the fact that we have had higher numbers of withdrawals. And, you know, families will, will reflect back to us. It's, it's, it's with great regret because they love Hong Kong and they, they really respect the 
the, the work that's done um, for their children in schools and they, they do see ESF as providing high quality education so you know often parents will say to me it's with great regret that they are having to to leave um, so we will lose families I'm but you're, you're able to families. recruit from other schools like diocesan aren't you i think a lot of kids moved across from schools like that into the esf system as soon as there was capacity because normally you have long waiting lists so yeah. are you confident that there will be enough uh take up from uh, local schools to fill you up so that you won't have empty classrooms yeah, well, I mean, I, we work incredibly hard to ensure that, you know, that we enrol students into any vacancies that come. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, we will work hard to provide places for families who want to choose ESF um, as their um, school system of choice. We will work incredibly hard to, to attract families in. Um, but, but you're right, you know, that if, if people are leaving one school, that puts an issue um, of withdrawals for that school so there will be a movement of of students around schools okay thanks uh, thank you belinda uh, we're also joined now on the line by dion chen who's the chairman of the hong kong direct subsidy scheme schools council and also principal of yinghua college uh, good morning to you uh, thanks very much uh, for joining us. Uh, uh, you're a little faint at the moment. Uh, see what we can do about the volume. But uh, um, so, for this um, early uh, summer break uh, for the local schools, can you tell us uh, how are they preparing? Well, like uh, of course, we also just received this announcement or this news from the government uh, early this week, and uh, all schools they are now very busy in dealing with how to rearrange their holidays and also especially the schedule or the work scheduled in uh, March and April. Because like in local school, we actually have quite a lot of things to do in, in, in March and April, especially for some students, they have to move from, uh, uh, I'm talking about secondary, like moving from mm -hmm. the junior secondary to senior secondary for the subject selection and so on and so forth. But like uh, uh, the government just further released a little, a little bit more information yesterday uh, in the uh, HKEA the examination authorities, the briefing yesterday. So then uh, we got more information now. So I know quite a lot of schools will issue the letters to parents to update them about the, the upcoming arrangements. Mm. Uh, and uh, any anything special about those upcoming arrangements? Any 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 latest that you can tell us about? Well, I think like uh, the school, they are now working on the the exact date for the start of the special vacation. And uh, as the government said, like we can, the earliest date that we can do that would be on seventh of March, mm -hmm. but no later than seventeenth of March. So uh, we are working on like which date is the best date for us to start the uh, vacation in order to fit the, um, you know, the teacher schedule and also the preparation for them in work. And in terms of the, the students, what are they going to have to do now before the schools uh, take this early summer break? Mm. Uh, basically, they are now following the online lesson schedules and all the assessment schedules that the school has set before, and nothing changed at this moment. But like, uh, of course, the, some school I know that they are now working on some of the so-called summer activities, the online one for the students. Just you know, this this so-called the summer vacation is not really the one similar to the one we had before, and students cannot really go out; they, they can't return to school for joint activities. So some school are thinking about from the perspective of the students' well-being, and then they working on various activities can help students to you know well use of their uh, summer vacation.
Belinda, can I just cut in there? I just got a WhatsApp message about a teacher who resigned a few weeks ago and is leaving in April, and they're saying they're not the only ones. Can you realistically tell us what your expectation for teachers leaving really is? Yeah, no, we, we don't have teachers who are leaving um, mid-contract. I mean, there will be special circumstances if someone is given permission, but that will have been planned and that will have been dealt with through HR. So, I mean, and I would not want you to give any impression that we have lots of teachers um, bailing and leaving Hong Kong just now. They're with us till the summer. We have had, as I said, increased resignations to what we would normally expect at this time of the year. Um, and therefore, we will work hard to support our teachers. I certainly do not take anything for granted. We work incredibly hard to support our teachers. I know how difficult life has been over the last couple of years, and I know how difficult it is working online. We will work incredibly hard to get the teachers supported so that we can get teachers and students back in school. Okay, uh, thanks, uh, thanks, uh, Belinda Greer. Um, and back to uh, Dion Chen uh, talking about uh, the look because we've got the diploma of secondary education uh, exams and the university entrance exams. Uh, they're due to start uh, on April the twenty-second. Um, of course, the, the build-up to the exam period is very important for students learning. So, um, do you foresee any uh, disruption as a result of having to take the summer break early? Right. Uh, most of, I, I would say like 99% of the schools have already completed the uh, DSU curriculum uh, teaching. And uh, I believe that like from the teaching or learning point of view, they, they are, the students are okay with it. Uh, however, quite a lot of schools in March and April, they will have a lot of uh, sort of the uh, you know, intensive tutorial or support to the students, usually face-to-face. -face. Uh, if not, they will be online. So uh, uh, the early vacation or the summer vacation arrangement certainly will uh, affect their preparation a little bit. So the school, they are also working on uh, how can we have this online tutorial to support the students. But at the same time then, the examination actually didn't really change the start date. Uh, it also start at the original date, which is the 22nd of April. However, the, the entire period is shortened from four weeks to three weeks time. So uh, to some of the students, definitely they, they the stress level increased because of like the, some of the examinations uh, they had moved one week earlier, so uh, it definitely affected their preparation. Mm. Uh, and what about uh, mock exams? Mock exams like uh, it's very diverse. Some schools have already completed the uh, mock examination. Some schools are still doing it now. Some schools they have already decided to change entirely online. So uh, the arrangement will be quite different from school to school. Okay. All right. Well, um, thank you very much uh, to both of our guests uh, for back chat this morning. Uh, um, thanks very much to, uh, that was Dion Chen, the chairman of the Hong Kong Direct Subsidy Scheme Schools Council and also principal of Yinghua College. And thank you very much to Belinda Greer, chief executive officer of the English Schools Foundation. Um, best of luck to uh, both of you and your schools in this uh, difficult period. Um, as I said earlier, uh, I have a few emails relating to a COVID update from before nine o'clock um, and I'll do my best to uh, read out what I can uh, now. Um, 
So uh, this one uh, from Lewis says, uh, I thought uh, that both of your guests this morning were excellent and informative. Uh, Learned more from them than the Government and Department of Health websites. Uh, but the comment, uh, mild COVID is nothing more than a bad cold, made me think, why is the administration wasting so much money on these facilities? Uh, focus on the at risk, not the majority. Um, Stephen says, uh, I'm very interested to hear the experts' comments on the effectiveness of mask wearing given uh, this recent outbreak in Hong Kong. Much as I do uh, logically agree that mask wearing must help and did in the last two years, but it seems that this recent outbreak uh, calls mask effectiveness into question. Um, and uh, Mary says, uh, should I do a home test every week until mass testing? Uh, what rat test is good? So many in shops, uh, so don't want to get the wrong result. Mary, I may hold on to that and uh, ask our guests on tomorrow morning's uh, COVID update. Um, um, Michael said, uh, the, oh, the WhatsApp pharmacy number, and say the number slowly, please. Uh, thanks. Uh, just to repeat once more then, uh, the Practicing Pharmacists Association of Hong Kong, uh, they have launched a free WhatsApp pharmacy service and the number is 6903 6903 um, Colin writes the 1000 care workers being sourced from the mainland as these are untrained basic workers that uh, uh, require to be trained and I presume uh, accommodated I find it hard to believe that these 1000 workers cannot be found within Hong Kong, especially as a large number of businesses uh, are currently shut because of restrictions. This could have been a welcome boost for these unemployed workers. I take it that these mainland workers are not required to undergo quarantine. Where will they be accommodated? Isn't really this an exercise to show cooperation between Hong Kong and the mainland? And uh, Alonso writes... Uh, OK, this one's a little bit long. I might have to edit it but uh, anyway it says uh, while the Lam administration has unquestionably had to follow Beijing's directives on some key Covid decisions such as sticking with a zero Covid policy there is also little doubt that she and her officials have made some very poor independent decisions largely because of their obdurate head in the sand reluctance to listen to experts and all the public. For months several medical experts, Professor Ben Cowling Professor Malik Pieris et al have repeatedly warned that A it was just a matter of time before the fifth wave hit Hong Kong and B this would result in scores of deaths in our elderly care homes unless the vaccination rate among the vulnerable 80 plus age groups was boosted a number of them proposed a vaccine mandate for these groups or at a bare minimum incentivizing them to get vaccinated through a carrot and stick approach for example making the award of consumption vouchers conditional on getting jabbed and yet the government ignored these calls the result as we can see today is a surge in deaths notably among residents in care homes. This tragedy could have been greatly minimised, if not completely avoided, if the government had listened to the experts. Um, there's more, but I'm going to save that for tomorrow as well, Alonso, because uh, we're, we've run out of time. Um, just quickly from 
uh, just quickly from James uh, on the schools issue, says that the reasons given by international schools don't add up. My daughter's two schools have no students taking international exams and teachers stay on year to year. So why were they the first in line lobbying the government to exempt international schools from the summer holiday shift? An email from the principals revealed it was really about staff's summer holiday travel plans. Uh, that's that from James. Um, I should point out that we had uh, uh, Belinda Greer, the chief executive of the English Schools Foundation, on just now. Of course, the ESF uh, does have uh, students uh, taking uh, international exams, um, uh, GCSEs and the IB. Thank you very much uh, to everybody who wrote in and to our listeners, and thanks very much to you, Anna. Thank you. Okay. Anna's in a different studio to me today, which is why our, uh, our interaction may not have been quite uh, perfect. But uh, anyway, anyway, thanks very much for co-hosting the show, and we'll, and we'll see you again soon. And a, a quick look uh, at the weather before we go to the news summary and morning brew. Uh, it's going to be fine. Visibility, visibility relatively low in some areas uh, in the morning. Warm during the day with a top temperature of about 26 degrees. Light winds. So the outlook, sunny intervals uh, tomorrow. And temperatures will be uh, lower during the day. Uh, but warm during the day in the following couple of days. Uh, misty in the morning and at night. And cool in the morning early next week. It's currently 21 degrees. Humidity 80%. Fight the virus, stay vigilant. If you think you have a higher risk of COVID-19 exposure or experience discomfort, you can collect specimen bottles for free testing from designated public clinics. Meanwhile, the government will arrange free testing for targeted groups. To minimize the risk of community transmission, we should take the initiative to get tested. Together, we must fight the virus. Stay vigilant. Visit coronavirus.gov.hk for details. The new summary with Andrew Shirovsky. A food logistics expert says this week's panic buying shows a lack of trust in the system and insufficient communication from the government. Daisy Tam from the Baptist University's Department of Humanities said with 95% of Hong Kong's food imported, the government should have contingency measures in place if supplies were to be disrupted. She said it also needed to ensure its message got through to allay the public's fears. A geriatrician says the pandemic has spotlighted the staff shortages besetting the aged care home sector, pushing it to the brink of collapse. Jean Wu from the Faculty of Medicine at the Chinese University described plans to bring in temporary workers from the mainland as logical. She said the work was generally low-paid and unattractive to locals and now had the stigma of care homes being infected with COVID. And overseas, Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky has warned that it cannot win the war with Russia on its own, and the West will inevitably have to become involved. He said NATO must rethink its proposal to impose a no-fly zone, which he said was vital to stop Moscow's bombardment of Ukraine. We'll have more on those and other stories at 10 o'clock. It's time right now on Radio 3 to say good morning to Phil Whelan and his guests on The Morning Brew. Hello. Hello. How are you? Not too bad at all. Good morning. 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 Good morning and welcome to Wednesday here on The Morning Brew. 
We are celebrating a bunch of classical music birthdays today with composer and conductor Colin Touchin, and that's at 10.40, as usual. Well, it seems that March the 2nd is a very popular day for being born if you happen to be a famous composer. So today we'll be playing some of your music in celebration. Yay! 11.10, we're off to San Francisco to catch up with two star-crossed fish lovers, Doug Woodring from Ocean Recovery Alliance. He's there for the time being, so he's our bloke in San Francisco, along with celeb chef Matt Dolan. And it's been a while, so welcome back to Matt. Whatever happens. We're going to talk about a rather cool project they are working on together, pretty much due to the Hong Kong connection, which I think is probably about eating a lot and getting plastered at Matt's restaurant tonight. After that, RTL France's Philippe Devar is waiting for us in Paris very early in the morning for this week's chat and some music by the French greats. Our final destination of the day today is the Philippines. That's where Chris Watts has ended up. 